It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. It's the Champions League edition of the Pod. The Optus Sport team will be here every match day to wrap up the big stories, and it starts right now. Hi there, welcome to the Match Day edition of the Gagan Pod. Great to have you with us as always. The Champions League, it's back. Well, it never went anywhere, or seemingly. No one really knows what year we're in anymore, but hopefully football will get us to the end of it pretty quick smart. Michael Bridges is with me, Richard Bayless. Hey, Bridgie, how are you? I'm good, Rich. Good to be back, and I'll tell you what year it is. It's still 2000, bloody 20, unfortunately, but Champions League is back, so I'm happy. A bit of everything in that answer. Positivity, negativity... Licorice all sorts from Michael Bridges on the podcast, like on our coverage. Dave Weiner as well, our sports editor. How are you, mate? Very, very well, uh, Rich. It was uh, surreal to be back in the studio this morning. I think it's been six months of watching football in my PJ, so it was nice to be back out and about again with you guys this morning. It is weird, isn't it, post kind of lockdown COVID where you realise track pants, I mean, they've always been good, but particularly the last six months, watching football in track pants, underwear, not much better. And working basically in football strips or football singlets, it's, uh, it was nice to actually uh, wake up a little bit today. Well, I'll tell you this for free. I shan't be wearing Manchester United's away kit anytime soon or any Manchester United kit as a Leeds fan. No offence. Uh, congratulations to you guys out there, United fans, because what a win. That was un- undoubtedly the headline act today, Bridgie. 2-1 on the road, once again winners at a place that not many teams get anything from. Yes, it was absolutely brilliant by Manchester United, the team, the performance, and I apologise to all the fans out there. I'd written them off, Rich. I thought they were going to get smashed by Paris Saint-Germain. And this performance was very reminiscent of the last time, two years ago in the Champions League. United came back and lost the first leg 2-0. They won the second 3-1. It was just a great performance. You know, they nullified everything Paris Saint-Germain had. They got the counter-attack. And I'll tell you what, they, they dominated the midfield second half when Solskjaer made a... A decision to change Tellers, who came in as the left side stopper or left side wing back. Pogba came in, settled everything down as well for them. So it was a tick all round. And what a start for, for Man United. Three points on the board against PSG. Brilliant. Also important, Dave, they weren't there last season. Manchester United fans will rightly feel that this is where they belong, of course. A competition that they've won on several occasions. Got a great affinity with. But in a group with not only PSG, but Leipzig as well. Uh, This could be a huge three points. Oh, no, it's monumental to get the three points away at Paris Saint-Germain because this is the group of death. And from what we saw from RB Leipzig this morning, they're going to pick up from where they left off as semi-finalists last season. For United, it's really interesting because they've been honking over the opening weeks of the season. But Solskjaer kept saying, we will start to build some momentum and some fitness and that kind of thing. And you sit there and you go, well, we want to see it. Like Time to walk the walk. And you know what? The last 10 minutes against Newcastle, great momentum here. This is fantastic momentum ahead of Chelsea, Leipzig and Arsenal coming to Old Trafford in the coming weeks. Yeah, Do you remember the first leg in the previous match when United got beat 2-0 in, the, in this tie a few years back? Oh, and then years United, back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tuchel absolutely destroyed Solskjaer tactically and they played this lopsided shape with the wing back on the far side left pushing on. 
Solskjaer did that today with Tellers, and I thought him and Shaw, when they had the ball dominated down that left-hand side, when they didn't have it, they dropped into a back five. Full credit to Wanna Gulla Solskjaer for all the criticism that I've given him, that other people have given him. He, he, he showed that he's a class act today. Uh, and the other thing is, is he knows what he wants to do in these big games. In the round-to-round aspect of the Premier League, there's still a lot to prove. But when a team like Paris Saint-Germain is going to come, you know that their big players are going to attack, there's going to be spaces. United are really, really good on the counter-attack. And actually, this type of game suits them. And they showed today that, to a certain extent, he can uh, execute a game plan really well. Joining us in the studio this morning, uh, on Wednesday morning, depending on when you're listening to this, of course, John Aloisi was on Optus Sports coverage, uh, and he joins us on the phone. Now, John, Dave mentioned there that, obviously, United really good on the counter-attack. I guess the reason that's so effective is that defensively, they looked so much more effective than they have looked of late. Do I dare say that Axel Tuanzebe is the answer to their problems? Well, it's probably a bit too early to say, Rich, if he's the answer to their problems. But what he did show today, he showed composure, uh, not only on the ball, but defensively. He was lightning quick. He chased down Mbappe on a couple of occasions where I thought that Mbappe was going to get away from him. So when you're playing for a team like Man United that's uh, you know, against the opposition when you're dominating and you leave space in behind you, you need someone quick at the back. And he showed that pace. They do lack it when Maguire's in the side. So is he the answer? I'm not 100% sure yet, but he did show great signs this morning. I thought he had a tremendous game. They had such a good win on the weekend too, didn't they, Bridgie, against your old boys in Newcastle? This weekend, they've got Chelsea. Football is such a weird game. A couple of weeks ago, they got hammered by Tottenham. It's been a great week for Manchester United. They go into that game against the Blues this weekend, looking good at both ends of, of the pitch, and it looks like they match up pretty well against the Chelsea. It's funny, if you'd asked that question two weeks ago after the Tottenham defeat, and the way Chelsea being conceding goals, this game could have been 9-9 going forward. you know. And now we're talking, oh, they were so good against Paris Saint-Germain. They only conceded one against Newcastle United. Chelsea kept a clean sheet. We're, not, we're going to touch on that one as well. So this makes it a really, really mouthwatering tie, and it's going to be an absolute classic. We'll talk about Chelsea in a little while because Mark Schwarzer was there for us at Stamford Bridge. He joins us to dissect what was a pretty average game, let's be honest. But if you're a Chelsea fan, probably not too bad. Elsewhere in this group, by the way, John, Group H, where PSG and Manchester United reside, Leipzig won 2-0 over Istanbul Basiksha here in their first appearance in the Champions League. Dave mentioned it before. The big talking point for me, well, actually there were two talking points. One was Julian Nagelsmann being outdone on the touchline in terms of the fashion stakes by the Istanbul manager. He looked fantastic. They both did with the trench coats. But the other talking point, Angelino on loan from Manchester City, scored both goals, could have got a hat-trick. Why isn't he at City? He looks phenomenal in European competition. I think he plays a little bit of a different uh, position when he's at Leipzig. Uh, sometimes you see him in, in a left-winger position. Sometimes you see him as a, a virtually as a number 10 in that attacking midfield position. But how well did he take both goals, but especially the first goal, the actual touch and turn when the balls come in, in the box, and the finish was superb. And he's just showing, and, and it's not only the start of this season, towards the end of last season, how good he is going forward. And yes, he is a bit of a loss for, for Man City. I think they can still take him back. I don't know when they will, but if he keeps up this form, I'm sure he'll head back to Man City very soon. John, can you imagine that was Messi doing that Angelino little spin inside the area, the back heel, and putting it in the goal? It would it would be shown all around. It's going to get shown around the world, but we'll be talking about it in, in you know, 
mouth-watering moment. That that for me was just sensational. And it's, you know, it could have done, you know, it's kind of played down a bit. I thought what he did was unbelievable with that spin and turn. You know, you're right, Pridgey. It did remind me it's sort of like a Messi-esque goal because the way he did turn uh, in the box there, you know, that, that, that's a, we all know how difficult that is. But especially when you've got uh, defenders up uh, behind you trying to put pressure on you and the way he just able to, to finish it in the, the top corner like he did, it was brilliant. It it, uh, it reminds me of a, a world-class player, and not to say that Angelino is not, but he's just showing what he's capable of doing. And, and to go into Richards uh, in, in the dress sense, look, I'll have to give it to uh, the Eastern Bull coach. I thought he looked sharper. I'm not sure about the, the snooker outfit of Nagelsmann, though. Uh, Bridgie might be able to touch on that a little bit more it's because I know that uh, he probably had the chalk in his, his pocket there, his waistcoat. Yeah, Bridgie. they always have the little waistcoat there, John, just so they can put the chalk in. They're immaculately dressed when they lean over that table and it's got to be tight-fitted so they don't touch the balls when they lean over. Yeah, hang on, hang on. Don't, oh, sorry. Don't even for a second think you're allowed to chime in when someone's <laughs> looking good. He asked me for an opinion on pool. Yeah, and snooker. I think ironically, <laughs> I, I know you went to John for the fashion, but he's come to me on how they how they dress in the you know in the snooker industry. Yeah, okay, yep. Now, good, uh, good. We'll stick solid theory. here in our sloppy joes, Bridgie. Come on, <laughs> exactly. I'm with you. O- Okan Barak, the manager on the sideline for Bakshiksha here, he was channeling Morty Seinfeld in the uh, beltless trench coat for you Seinfeld fans out there. The executive, if you will, looked uh, looked fantastic. Elsewhere this morning, um, we obviously Manchester United, Leipzig, victorious in Group H. Barcelona had a, a big win first up against the new Hungarian boys, Ferenc Varos, who uh, put in a pretty good performance, but ultimately uh, Barca too strong. The Cumin Revolution looks like it's Indeed. all right. A soft spot for me for Ferenc Varos because they're from Budapest, where my family's from, although I mistakenly, excitedly told my 94-year-old grandfather last year, your team's on the TV. Can you watch them? He goes, they're the enemy. <laughs> His team's in about the third division now, so uh, that, that that excitement was put to put to waste. But they were fantastic, actually. They hit the post and had a goal disallowed. They're going to be fantastic. They got beat five one. No, before <laughs> brave. They are nothing. They were minnows. They're tw- they haven't been in the competition for twenty five years, and they this hit is the, the Champions post. League. You can't get beat five one and say they were fantastic, okay. Dave Weiner. Because if they were crap, it would have been ten or twenty. They were fantastic for the first twenty minutes. Hit the post and had a goal disallowed where they hit the top corner, and then normal business resumed. I think what Dave is advocating for is that they. Get get the uh, participation yes. award, the encouragement award. <laughs> they were brave. And you know what? The thing is, uh, and I'd love to get John's thoughts on this because I know how closely you watch Barcelona, is the youngsters. Everyone's talked up the youngsters as the um, you know, as the solution, the breath of fresh air amidst this rebuild under Ronald Koeman. And, and they actually came to the party. You know, Ansel Fati, he scored now more Champions League goals than anyone at the age of 18. Pedri came off the bench, was man at the barely show that he's still in the mix as well. Um it's, it's actually really exciting, John. Are these guys genuinely uh, potentially going to usurp the likes of Griezmann and Coutinho through the season? I think so. And Coutinho, look, he's shown good form so far uh, since being back at Barcelona. Koeman's given him confidence, which is great. Um, I, I think it's uh, scary signs for Griezmann because I think he'll struggle to find a, a starting eleven spot with the likes of Ansu Fati, Dembele now coming back from injury. We've known Dembele's quality ever since he was at Dortmund, what he's able to do when he runs at players, he can score goals. And and Pedri, he's, he's another teenager that we haven't seen a lot of or heard a lot about, but in Spain he's talked up to be one of the biggest talents there is, but you can't go past Ancelotti. The quality that he showed as a 16-year-old bursting onto the scene with Barcelona and now still proving it week after week 
he's going to be a superstar. He's got goals, he's got pace, and he can run at players. So good signs going forward, still difficult signs at the back because, as you said, that Ferenc Varos, I wouldn't say a quality performance save, but they did create chances, <laughs> they did score a goal, and they did get PK sent off. Yeah, that's right. No PK in the next one. A red card and uh, penalty. He gave away in that 5-1 win. Elsewhere, by the way, in Group G, Juventus had a good win on the road. 2-1 in Ukraine against Dynamo Kiev. 2-0, I should say. The host did not get one. Uh, sorry about that. I'd like to ask you, John, before we bid you adieu, in terms of kit crimes, we've already spoken at length, uh, arguably too much about fashion on this podcast, but if you had to wear either Manchester United's away zebra strip or the orange number that Juventus wore this morning, which one would you choose? I would probably go with the orange number. I'm not sure if the zebra kit would look good on me, uh, Rich. Uh, it would look like that uh, I belong on the uh, on a farm, an animal farm, if I wore that kit. But I would go with the orange one. I think it might go with my complexion, Bridgie. What do you think? John, my wife adores you, sadly, and she says he could look good in anything. So I don't know what you two have got going on, mate, but I'm not going to get involved in fashion. I just, I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm, what am I? Well, look, this sounds like a completely different discussion. <laughs> my wife hates it whenever I'm on TV with John because she's. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Does you just look crap? <laughs> so there you go, mate. I'll give you a massive wrap. There you go. Oh, what, what, a way to, what a way to finish. Uh, John, thanks for joining us, mate. We'll catch up with you very soon. See you in the morning for uh, eight more yeah. matches. Can't wait for it. Thanks, guys. John Aloisi there joined us uh, this morning. Shortly we'll hear from Mark Schwartzer as well, who is at Stanford Bridge. You don't need to go into such personal areas if you don't want to, Bridgie. Well, We're not forcing you on to. On the other side of the fence, my wife loves it when I'm next to Schwartzer because she says he just looks like the guy, the BFG, so I look good next to him. <laughs> the big friendly old giant. Well, the big friendly old giant was in uh, pretty good form this morning. He was at Stanford Bridge. He was probably the only one in fantastic form, apart from the defenders, I suppose, on both sides, because neither Chelsea nor Sevilla could crack the other. Nil all, it finished. But, Schwartzy, uh, as you join us for the podcast, I guess that's good for Chelsea, isn't it? Everybody's saying they can't defend. They just prove that they can. Two clean sheets in their last three matches. There's no defensive issue there. No, you wouldn't think so, would you? I mean, particularly against the Sevilla side, who I actually, you know, we thought that um, I thought they'd be a little bit more adventurous. I think they were more than happy with the result. I thought they went to Chelsea with the idea of uh, being, you know, playing their game, being as solid as they possibly can, and maybe he Chelsea a little bit on the counter, maybe expecting Chelsea to to stretch themselves a little bit more, uh, be a bit more advanced, a um, bit more free flowing in their attack. But I thought they were, they were very much. Uh, yeah, far more disciplined than what they've normally been Chelsea. 
and hence the reason why they managed to keep a clean sheet in the end. Dave, while uh, we were sort of featuring, I guess, more on the feature game this morning or keeping an eye more on PSG and Manchester United, I know you were watching Group E very closely, not just Chelsea and Sevilla being a Blues fan, but also Wren and Krasnodar, the two new boys. Do you think either Chelsea or Sevilla will have any issue going through to the knockout stage? No, but in the same sense that uh, Chelsea probably actually benefited from a big game here where they had to be really disciplined and really focused, Krasnodar and Wren were both really vibrant in that game. They shouldn't challenge Chelsea, but nor should have West Brom. And probably at the scoreline, it was nor should have Southampton. So I think what we'll see in those games is really adventurous games and those teams will really have a crack at Chelsea because it was, it was from what I saw of that game this morning, it was very end-to-end and very vibrant. Two teams making the most of their first ever shot at this level. And, and they, got a, they got a point and Krasnodar would be absolutely over the moon because they were underdone and away from home. Schwartzy, how good was the inclusion of Edouard Mendy and Thiago Silva? Because it seems from a distance, and you were obviously right there, but it seems from a distance that those two had a really positive influence at the back. Yeah, I think um, I think particularly Thiago Silva, because obviously he's in the mix of things more often. I think it's more about his leadership qualities, direction, his, his presence. I think his relationship with Kurt Zuma is, is very, very good. Um, they seem to have, uh, it's the second time the two of them have played together. It's twice they've kept a clean sheet. Um, and obviously with Mendy and goal as well. So I, I think there's a, there's a good partnership developing amongst the three of them. Um, and I think with Mendy, the fact that he, that he likes to come out and dominate, he's a in our box, the, the, the team can play a, a slightly higher line. Um, he's he's a, he's a goalkeeper who likes to be advanced and play outside his in our box as well. So when, when Chelsea do have the ball in the opposition half, the line is pretty high and, and Mendy is, is not far behind. And I think you know it's going back a little bit to the times of, when when uh, you know uh, Quatois was in goal, when Petacek was playing, um, that they always played such an advanced position, and I think it automatically gives you you as a team a bit more confidence and, and belief that you know what if we do push forward, there is someone there close by ready to sweep up and ready to back us up. So what you're talking about the obviously the goalkeeper and the two centre halves there you mentioned it during the the show you said it's a nice triangle to have but I was looking at um, Aspilicueta playing on the right hand side came in the game against Southampton where they conceded three and they had James playing um, today how, how who's the best out of them two do you feel and do you go for the experience and the quality or do you go for the pace and the DNA of a boy that knows the club. Yeah, listen, I mean, I think Ashley Quitter, I think, is a better defender than Rhys James. Uh, Rhys James is by far and above a better player going forward. Um, very quick, uh, very mobile, and, and loves to get in those advanced positions. He's delivering the box is very, very good. I mean, there was, there was an incident in the first half where, where he whips in a really good ball in. Diego Carlos, to his, one of his centre-halves, does really, really well to, to sort of like a last-pitch sort of defending uh, challenge on the ball to manage to clear it. Um, so, you know, in that, from that aspect, um, I, I think it's, it's a case of it really depends on who you're playing against. I thought tonight, I have to say, Rhys James was, from a de- defensive perspective, I thought it was one of his better games that I've seen him play because of, I think, because they were so much more disciplined. Um, and the same with Ben Chilwell. You know, it just shows you these guys can actually defend when they're expected to, when they're told to, when they're told to keep their shape more. Um, but more often than not, they like to be really far advanced and it's very difficult when you're advanced to, to always try and play catch-up um, and, uh, and you're out of position. Schwartz, I'm really interested in what Frank Lampard you think he should do between now and the weekend because we've spoken just before you came on about United loving the counter-attack. We spoke about Chelsea being a bit more organised today, but Lampard loves to attack in the Premier League. Can he get that balance right against Solskjaer at Old Trafford on the weekend and how extreme do you think his attacking mindset will be? 
Well, you know what? I think there's a lot of positives to be taken out of the game today. And I, and I, and, uh, I said it on the, on the coverage. You know, I was, I was speaking to Glenn Hoddle at half time. Um, he was working for one of the radio stations and he was saying, you know, about the fact that it looks like Chelsea were being hammered on the training field, going through defensive drills, talking about keeping their shape, keeping their discipline. And they almost lost their way a little bit going forward. And, and, and that was more apparent, I thought. Pulisic, um, Kai Havertz, um, Mason Mount were were very, very uh, unaffected or effective at the game. You know, able to affect anything in the game. Uh, Zauner at times were left, was left isolated uh, on the, on a couple of occasions where balls were put over the top. He he had half chances. Um, so they didn't replay to the strengths going forward. But then in turn, what it did do, it shot them up at the back, and they 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 kept a clean sheet. And and I think they'll grow from it, and they'll take little strides from there. Well, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be talking about taking little strides and starting to open up a little bit more and start to attack more, but maintaining a certain sense of discipline and, and, and defensive qualities from the whole team, not just the back line. All right, Mark, tomorrow you go to Manchester for City against Porto. What's, what's your plan? What happens? You wake up in the morning, you get your driver and the chauffeur just takes you up there, you have a nice lunch. What, what's the process? What happens before the magic on air that we don't necessarily see? Yeah, well, you know, take that thought out of your head about a chauffeur-driven, uh, you know, car or anything like that. Now I get up, I'm leaving here about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. It's, it, it's going to take me probably just about three hours, 15 or so to drive up there. Um, there's not a lot of traffic around at the moment. I say that, but hopefully there isn't any tomorrow. Um, I've been told there's not a lot around. Um, Manchester, I don't know if you're aware, is on the verge of being uh, locked down. Um, so they're only a day or so away from that. So I, I, I'll be able to get in and get out and, and avoid the, the total lockdown. Um, so, yeah, I'll be there well and truly early enough in front of, before the game, um, probably four hours or three or four hours before kickoff. And then enjoy the game, and hopefully it's a it's a more entertaining game. Hopefully there's more goals. Um, I do I do expect it, and um, I think it's an opportunity for, for Pep Guardiola to get things right. He talked about it this week that he that the the defeat against uh, Lyon uh, when they got knocked out in, in Lisbon really hurt him, um, and he felt the pain of everyone at the club, the supporters, the players. But he fell short, stopped short of saying that he took responsibility in terms of his tactical decisions. He said he felt responsible, but it was more about talking about he reviewed the games and the team just weren't good enough on the day. Well, let's see what he puts out against Porto. Schwartzy, uh, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you on the coverage tomorrow. Cheers, guys. Safe journey, princess. The Gig and Pod will be back in 20 seconds. Once you're done with this episode, though, take a moment to look up two sharp reds. Socceroos great Mark Schwarzer is joined by Ollie Geel to talk about the lighter side of world football with a real focus on the day-to-day of the Premier League. Two Sharp Reds from Optus Sport, available where you get your podcasts. Now, back to the Gegenpod. Now, I hope Mark wasn't too down about the fact that one of the German sides lost uh, the only group we haven't touched on, Group F, the Paul Ocon group as well, Dave, because we saw Lazio, his former club, big winners over Borussia Dortmund, while his other former club, Club Bruges, got a late winner against uh, Zenit. Just on Lazio and Borussia Dortmund, good to see Lazio back. We expect a lot of things of, obviously, Dortmund with Haaland, and he scored, but Chiro Immobile at the other end, the ex-Dortmund player, was the one that uh, got the job done. Lazio, good win. That was amazing to see Chiro Immobile score so early because that was all the build-up to this game. His only Champions League goals had come for Dortmund under Klopp, but they, he hadn't succeeded there. He really wanted to prove a point, and he certainly did, setting up the third as well. Um, 
this is a fabulous result for Lazio in their return for the first time in 13 years because they've had a poor start to the season in Serie A. They haven't picked up. In fact, since returning from the COVID lockdown, they've been poor. I think they've lost half their games. Sort of they had a backlog of points from last year. So fantastic for Simeone Inzaghi. And this is a group they can actually top uh, by dint of having Zenit St. Petersburg as the top seed um, and poor poor from them. Dejan Lovren, obviously an unbelievable goal to level things, but Club Bruges deserved uh, to be up and to be fair on the balance of the play, they deserve to win at a place where Zenit don't lose. That's a miraculous, miraculous segue into tomorrow morning, of course, because we've got Ajax and Liverpool. It's our feature game in the studio elsewhere, Bayern Munich and Atletico. It's a segue because Dejan Lovren, his former club Liverpool, would probably love him to still be there at the moment. No Virgil van Dijk. There's talk that Matip is not necessarily fit as well. Depends who you ask. They would be happy to see the back of him. Well, that's a good point. But they needed to replace him, I guess, unless Klopp thinks one of his youngsters is ready to step up. Well, uh, yeah, he loved he loved plans. He loved things in his mind. Fabinho can come in there as well. He's played in there. Thiago can slip in to that midfield position. They'll be fine. They'll be all right. (laughs) What's your prediction? Do they get the job done easy against an Ajax side? They're not the same side that made the semis. They are nowhere near the same side. They've been obliterated. But listen, the production line and what Ajax do—that is their system. You just never know who is going to come through and who's going to perform on the big stage to catch the eye. This is. This is what Ajax dream of. This is what the players dream of. They go through the system to get in the first team, to play for Ajax, knowing that they are going to get in the Champions League, to showcase themselves to the big teams. So when you're playing the best teams in the world, some of these boys shine and that's where they get picked up. So you just never know. I will say, though, Liverpool should win, but I'm looking forward next night to seeing who is going to be emerging this year from Ajax again to be picked up by the big clubs. Your prediction, Dave, in Bayern against Atletico. Who wins? Buy and win, but I can't wait to see the yardstick of where they're at. I think they're probably the favourites. Would that would that be right, Bridget? I think they're still the favourites for the competition. Without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but they've had to pick up after a, a slow start to the season, and understandably so. They're probably still partying a couple of days before the season started. But um, no Diego Costa. I'm still getting my head around Luis Suarez being at Atletico, and can Diego Simeone reinvent them for another crack? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. They haven't lost for 20 games in La Liga, so. They're, they're solid. If only they were playing Bayern Munich in La Liga, I suppose. Uh, unfortunately, it's the Champions League where Bayern tend to do pretty good. Uh, Dave and Bridgie, thanks for your company. I look forward to it tomorrow as well, not just on the Gagan pod, but on our studio coverage. Our feature game, as I mentioned, Ajax and Liverpool from the Amsterdam Arena. But there are eight games in total, and quite a few of them are fascinating for various reasons. So make sure you're joining us. Actually, very quickly, Awa Mobile, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a Socceroo playing for Mitchelland as well in the Champions League. That's awesome. Wish there were a few more and hopefully there will be over the next few years but all the best to Awa in the morning we hope to see you on the coverage we'll see you on the Gagan pod afterwards have a great day enjoy your football